Hey folks, at e-commerce 360. Today we have Mark Rosenstock, head of marketing, FK Brands. FK Brands is a world leader in personal wellness products. Some of the products or brands you might have heard are House of Marley, Salt Republic, HMDX, and Home Medics. Hey Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So Mark, uh, let us start. by talking a bit about um, fk brands and your association with the brand sure i started as head of marketing and e-commerce with fka mm-hmm. almost two and a half years ago and the company is really an amazing company uh, a very entrepreneurially driven company family owned for over 30 years producing amazing products and innovation in health and wellness and as you mentioned also in what we internally call consumer electronics but a lot of audio uh like the house of marley so republican jam uh and so it's been an amazing journey for the company and i was excited to join the organization because i think there's a huge opportunity for us to impact people's lives every single day and help them live a little healthier a little happier and uh for me that journey is incredible both from a personal perspective but also from a professional perspective That's great. So let's start. Uh, you know, let's dive in and talk about uh, your customer acquisition strategy. Uh, so with the latest updates, right, with the iOS and FB uh, denying or allowing uh, third-party data, how has it impacted your acquisition strategy? Has it changed it at all? Uh, have you guys undergone a major change, or has it been only a slight tweak? No, I think that the privacy regulations and how people are thinking about data in general has been a trend that's been going on for longer than the latest updates in Google's policies and Facebook's policies and Amazon's policies and everybody else that's following along suit. Um what the way I think about this is more about the consumer value equation and how we should be building relationships with consumers. We need to be uh not just trying to sniff people's digital exhaust and trying to personalize experiences based on that but actually have a a value mindset where we're being transparent with consumers we're asking them whether digitally or literally uh what ails them what needs do they have what are they looking for and then be responsive to that in terms of how we create personalized experiences so we are already going down that path and how we talk to consumers and how we create experiences for them think about it a lot in terms of what's often referred to as zero party data instead of first or third party data and so we're creating engaging experiences like our pain free quiz that we have on our website today that engages consumers asks them a series of questions then we use that to personalize recommendations and content back to our consumers and in, when you're in a real relationship with consumers that way then you know the cookie regulations and all of those sorts of things uh have less of a long-term impact. Um certainly there's a short-term impact in terms of your ability to leverage some of the digital tools that evolved in this era, right? Of being able to um uh understand who's who based on their cookie data and they're traversing the internet that we have. Uh there's certainly a short-term impact in terms of ability to use the walled gardens of Facebook and some places like that. uh and we certainly are seeing an impact there um, but we believe we're already on the right long-term trend and if we keep the consumer at the center of everything you do and think about the value equation from the consumer's perspective it'll steer you in the right direction 
And so that that's really the path that we've been on. We'll continue to invest in that. That's amazing. So permission personalized marketing. You get the permission and then you personalize and then you market, uh, seeing to it that, you know, the consumers get the right data at the right time. But, you know, finding the content, personalizing it is one one side of things. The other side is, of course, metrics. Paying marketers as such are very metrics driven. Even if you are providing the value, how do you measure that the value is reaching your customers and how much uh, is it having the kind of impact that you want to have on your customers? So what metrics are your North Star at FKO Brands? Yeah, I think it's a great question. A lot of times people use the term KPI and sometimes use it maybe too generously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the K in KPI is really, really critical, right? K stands for key as opposed to the other performance indicators you might be looking at. And so we really focus on what are those core key performance indicators. And I think we have a tendency as a, um, as a society and as an industry yeah. to potentially overcomplicate the world a little bit because yeah. we can measure a billion things we do. Mm -hmm. And we sometimes lose the forest through the trees. And so depending on what your objective is, and, and in our particular case, we break it out depending on what our commercial program initiative is, um, you might have a different series of KPIs, and then you might have a long list of performance indicators that are helping you reach that end goal. And those can shift and change over time based on your business need, based on where you are in your program, based on where you are in terms of your maturity um, in your call it consumer relationship marketing plan or your e-commerce plan, direct to consumer plan, or just overall in terms of what you're trying to drive in the marketplace. And so when I think specifically about things like our e-commerce direct to consumer initiative, it doesn't have to get more complicated from a KPI standpoint than uh, total traffic you're driving to the site, uh, conversion rate on the site, and uh, an average order value. And so we look at those three things in particular, and then we have a host of other things underneath the hood mm -hmm. that we're looking to drive each of those specific things. That gives us the ability to look at specific initiatives, specific things that we're putting into place that drive have a purpose of driving one or more of those, and we can look at its impact for that. And like I said, there may be a host of other metrics we're looking at underneath that, like, mm -hmm. for example, search engine optimization. Yeah. We may have a host of different things that are helping us better understand how to drive organic search and our rankings and so forth. We might have a host of things available in the media side of things in terms of which media is driving the best impact from a paid traffic or potentially an earned traffic perspective, right? All those things are means to an end, and it's important to make sure you don't take your eye off the ball. And so that's that's basically what we do. Um, in addition to that, we also uh, have recently invested and worked with a partner to develop a marketing mix modeling capability for our company that's also helping us understand the impact of our media activities, not just on our website sales, but on all of the channels that we sell in. And that's really helping us also understand synergies between different channels, the impact on each other, and, and those sorts of things. I think um, as I got involved in digital marketing for um, well over 20 years now, uh, I, one of the things I've found is that uh, we sometimes, again, because we can measure things, lose perspective on what's really impactful. And we've gotten into an industry, people have grown up in the digital marketing era, have looked at attribution and said, mm -hmm. okay, I can trace this thing. This person saw this, they clicked on that. Then they went to my site then they purchased but you're impacting that consumer in a lot of different ways beyond their direct click through all the way to an end result, 
right? Uh, and market mix modeling helps you see from an aggregate perspective, you know, if you're moving, if you have a lot of activity on one side, what impact is that having on activity on the other side? So in uh, technical terms, we think about that in terms of independent variables and dependent variables. And we're able to see those kinds of things using that approach as well. That's awesome. So you mentioned about social media, right? How are you keeping up to date with uh, TikTok from Facebook and you know, uh, Pinterest or Instagram, every day it's uh, one new uh, tool over the other. How do you keep up with the change in times as far as social media is concerned? Because each of these platforms require a different kind of marketing and different kind of creatives and different kind of, you know, teams uh, to be uh, created. How do you go about managing across social media platforms as far as your brand impact is concerned? Yeah. I'd say there are two things. Uh, first, we always have to keep the consumer at the center of everything we do and don't get distracted too much by the bright, shiny object that happens to be in front of us at the moment. And uh, I think if you keep that consumer mindset, it helps you keep things in perspective. And part of that is understanding what that value equation is to the consumer. And if we're always of the mindset of how do we create value for the consumer, it helps us navigate all these different social media platforms that are constantly uh, popping onto the radar screen. Some are leaving as fast as they're coming. Others are evolving over time. Uh, and we often think about the different platforms in terms of how to create that value for the consumer. So if you're in the TikTok world, how are consumers using TikTok? Mm -hmm. How are they consuming media? What are they getting out of that? And if we're going to play in that platform, we have to play in that platform in a way that's meaningful to the consumer and not be um, what's the right term, might not, not be uh, imposing on their TikTok time with our advertisement, right? We want to be playing natively in that social media platform the way that makes sense to the consumer. If we're always out there and every single message is, buy us, look at this thing, look at this product, look at this product, um, then we're missing the point and consumers are going to have a backlash on that, right? Um, we're all consumers ourselves, so think about how you feel when a brand invades a space that you don't expect to see them in, in a way that you don't want to see them in, right? Yeah. Um, and so we've had that perspective, and and you gotta live, you can go walk that walk and live that way through all of these different platforms. The second piece of it is to always be learning, right? We have to think of ourselves as continuous beta. Even within a specific social media platform, its use changes over time, right? Yeah. Uh, Facebook uh, used to be where the younger consumers were hanging out. Now, no young consumers mm -hmm. are hanging out, right? Yeah. Um, and, and when TikTok first started, we thought, oh, it's only for the young people. Now everybody's on TikTok. Right? Exactly, yeah. So, um, and, and those things change over time, and they'll continue to evolve. And we have to always be learning. So we are, uh, we're playing with TikTok as a brand. We're learning how to use it. We're learning how to extract value from that, but more importantly, we're learning how to engage with consumers in that platform, uh, and what makes sense to us from their perspective and from a brand's perspective. Uh, Pinterest is another great example. You know, Pinterest has gone on and off my radar screen. We've experimented with various things in Pinterest, learning what works, what doesn't work, how are consumers using it. And again, when I, you asked me a, a question ago about metrics, and our market mix modeling is a really good example of how we're understanding advertising on Pinterest and, and its impact on other channels um, that go well beyond a direct attribution. People see it, they click, they buy. We're seeing a bigger impact from Pinterest in terms of its impact on uh, other channels that we don't get direct through direct attribution. 
And so we're constantly learning and testing, um, looking at the interactions across different exposures to media, regardless of whether it's Facebook's impact on our Google returns or uh, Instagram's impact on our sales at Target or Walmart or any one of our big retail partners. So uh, let me take a quick detour here. Let's talk about returns because returns are a major, major nightmare for uh, all brands, including B2C. Uh, so how are you managing returns and what kind of policy do you have that you know, evinces kind of the trust and credibility among customers? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And candidly and transparently, this isn't an area that I think we're hitting a home run in today. Mm -hmm. I think it's an area for us to continuously improve in. And so we are having actively running a discussion now about how do we actually improve our returns process. But um, we're thinking about it not just in terms of people that buy something online that then want to return, right? Because that's kind of the most direct path that most people think about if they're in the direct-to-consumer world or they're running e-commerce and so forth. Um, we're thinking about it in terms of people that might buy across any channel and then they have a need to return a product, how do we enable that and create a great consumer experience versus uh, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, there's no fraud and those kinds of things, but we also want to make sure we're turning in um, consumer experiences into uh, advocates, right? So um, understanding what went wrong with the product purchase, they buy something they didn't mean to buy, is the product not meeting their expectations? Let's really understand what that is so then we can help them get to something that meets their needs and, and delivers against a solution for them. Interestingly, um, we're also, there are a lot of people that buy our products as gifts for others. They make phenomenal gifts, mm -hmm. especially in Q4, as you would expect. And so that complicates that returns process a little bit, right? Because you may have received a gift from somebody and you may want to exchange it or do something different with that. Uh, and so how do you enable returns process that meets that consumer's needs? Yeah. and also potentially helps turn them into a loyal consumer over time, right? And so we're looking at all those different elements, taking advantage of the digital capabilities we have today uh, to really turn that returns process, not into a um, how do I mitigate a negative, but how do I turn that into a, a new touch point with a consumer that can create a lasting, meaningful, positive experience for them. That's very wonderfully put. Uh, so, Mark, what are your future aspirations for the brand as, uh, you know, do you want to go global or do you want to have more brands under your umbrella or do you want to, of course, uh, you want to touch as many lives as possible, that's there, but, you know, as far as the aspirations go on a big picture, what is it for FDA brands? Yeah, I would say that um, I'll kind of wear two hats here. So as FKA brands, we do manage a number of different brands globally already today. Mm -hmm. And uh, we look at a number of different categories that we play in, everything from um, beauty devices to um, at-home massage to diagnostics like blood pressure, pulse oximeters, those sorts of things. Uh, we are doing amazing things in air purification, humidification today. But really, at the end of the day, um, as I kind of put on a, a specific home medics hat for a second, uh, we really think about what are the things that we can put in place that help consumers live a little healthier every day without over-reliance on pharmaceutical interventions and other, um, uh, other interventions that are really invasive and so forth. So I really look for more natural, holistic 
path to wellness, which I think people are really thirsty for today. And so we're looking at that 360 degree wellness, really holistically thinking about mind, body and soul and how can we help consumers live a little healthier every day. So that's really what drives us. That's really how we think about um, what products we're bringing to market. How do we tackle different categories, whether it makes sense to have another brand or to innovate and drive within the home medics you know, brand itself. Uh, we are a global brand already, but we are thinking more about how do we um, bring more products to life across the different regions we play in and expand that global footprint um, and expand our ability to execute with excellence and consistently across all of those markets. And so we're in a, um, always looking to continuously improve in that space. I'm really excited about our brand because I think that as we put more of the digital marketing capabilities into place from a consumer relationship marketing perspective, as we start to think about uh, how do we impact consumers' lives holistically across the categories we plan, we have an opportunity to significantly grow our impact and to grow our ability to bring more consumers into the categories that we plan. I'll give you a really good example. Uh, within the massage space, um, we sell at-home massage equipment. Massage is an amazing way to help address pain and to help reduce pain and to help consumers get control of that pain, for them to not be controlled by their pain or for them to be proactively managing their life so they can enjoy life's moments. Um, one in five US adults suffer from chronic pain and that number is growing both in terms of an absolute number and in terms of percentages. As technology invades our lives, you'll hear chiropractors talk about TexNIC, right? You know, yeah. and, and, and everybody's thumbs hurt by the time they're 10 years old because they, they, they type like this now, right? Yeah. And, um, and as we get maybe more convenienced in life, we're spending less time actively moving around. We're spending less time walking. We're spending less time in proper posture and so mm -hmm. forth, right? And so these things are, uh, we wanna take advantage of all these great conveniences that technology brings to us. We wanna take advantage of um, the amazing things that are happening in, in food, right? Um, but diet impacts us, a, a hundred things impact our lives today. And we have the ability through massage and other products that we make, let people live a little bit healthier every single day. And so the extent that we can bring more people into these categories in a way that they're looking for today, they're looking for more natural, holistic ways to, to live and to feel better. Um, I think the, the sky's the limit in terms of our growth. So I'm really excited about where we're going with, with home medics and with health and wellness in general. That's that's very noble. I think uh, making everyone's life a bit healthier on a day-to-day -day basis, incrementally if you can, that's that's amazing ambition to have as a brand. Uh, so Mark, uh, one last question before we wrap up. What are e-commerce brands doing right and what are they, why are they going extremely wrong these days? What would be your one piece of advice? That's a good question. I think that the pandemic has uh, accelerated everybody's direct-to-consumer um, aspirations and mm -hmm. they said, oh, well, now everybody's shopping online. Well, we knew people were shopping online before. I think more people are transacting mm -hmm. online than they were before and that'll ebb and flow. Uh, I think the biggest watch out for people in the e-commerce space is to be too short-term focused, right? To think about only about how do I get the immediate transaction and not be thinking about how do you add that consumer value over time. And uh, and I think that's natural in the, in the stress that the last year and a half has created for people, both individually, professionally, as well as corporately. And how the people are trying to figure out how do they 
respond in today's world? How do they take advantage of the consumer trends? How do they make sure they stay afloat in today's world? Yeah. And there are winners and losers in that. And when that happens, I think people have a, a tendency to immediately think about how do I win next month and not how do I win over the next three years? And, uh, and I think that's true from a corporate perspective in terms of how do I build my business, but also in terms of the value equation to the consumer. And so, you know, my advice to people is to really always keep the consumer at the center of everything you do and think about how you're adding value, but not just tomorrow, but long-term, right? And I, I think that'll really help people put e-commerce into perspective um, because you can then start to have conversations about what parts of the equation do you need to be investing in? Is it getting product to consumer over that last mile in the most efficient way and, and, and fast way as possible? Is it about that post-product experience? I mean, we talked about returns, but what about the content and how to incorporate that product into your life? What about um, the other parts of the solution that really matter to the consumer? Uh, I think subscription is another really interesting idea. You know, how do you create value over time for the consumer and think about, if you think about every consumer as a subscriber, even if you sell an individual product, it changes your mindset in terms of the value equation, right? And I think that's how we have to be thinking about our brands and our, our consumer experiences. Absolutely. So Mark here is letting us know that keep your consumers in the center of your econ universe. So that's his parting advice. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming in our show and uh, helping our listeners understand uh, or gain insight into your e-commerce world. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.